So we have, um, in, over the last couple of weeks, what happened was I preached a message a couple, three weeks ago called Walking Worthy. And as I, as I started to study about walking worthy, it, it sent me on this journey. Do you see what I did there? Walking Worthy sent me on a journey. That went over much better at 9 o'clock. Uh, but it put me, <laughs> it, 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 uh, so it took me down this trail, right, of, of okay, well, so what does it mean to walk worthy? And then uh, Hamilton's. Amen. I'm so glad to see you this morning. Just, oh, my goodness. Thank you for being here. That's beautiful. Pray for Ken and Linda. Lots of health issues. Just so good to have them this morning. All right, starting over. So walking worthy is where we started. And then it's like, what does it mean to walk worthy? Well, you got to be in Christ. We talked about Christ in you. And that led me to the passage that we're going to discuss this morning about what does it look like to do life with Christ? And this promise that he made that he's going to give you an easy yoke and a light burden. Because it just seems like... It doesn't mean what I think you think it means. It's kind of like, I'm not sure that, that we have a clear understanding of what Christianity is supposed to look like and feel like, because there is such a, in my opinion, uh, such, a, such a difference from what Christ intended to what we have become. So Matthew chapter 11 is going to be the text that we launch from, and if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to bring them, but that's, that's, or if you use a phone app or your iPad, whatever you use, Matthew chapter 11, I do put the verses up on the screen most of the time, but I really like to encourage you to have your own means of study as well. Matthew chapter 11 here, verses 28 through 30, Jesus said this, he said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Does that sound like the life that you're living right there? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let me give you some context here. Christ is speaking to a large group of people. In this group of people, you've got folks who are dying to hear what he has to say. Like they are... They are wanting to, to learn more what this new teacher has to say. In that same group, you have the scribes and the Pharisees who were the keepers of the law, right? They're the ones that, that set up for everybody what it looked like to be a follower of Jehovah. And so they had this thing that they wore. This is kind of a double meaning, but they had this thing that they wore called a yoke that just identified them. Like, we are followers of this particular rabbi or this particular rabbi. And there were dozens, hundreds of different sects of Jehovah followers, and they all had their particular types of rules that they followed. And so there's a double meaning here where Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. It's not only identifying you, but there was actually an agricultural reference that we're going to deal mostly with today. <laughs> but these scribes and Pharisees had taken the ten original commandments, 
right? Thou shalt not steal, murder, bear false witness, all of those things that make a lot of sense to us. And they had taken those 10, they, they, had, they had defined them into over 600 regulations and laws that became almost impossible for people to actually remember, let alone keep. And that's why Jesus said, you know what, I, I, I'm not wanting you to live under that. In fact, in Matthew chapter 23, I would encourage you on your own time to read verses 1 through 4 of Matthew 23. But this is what it says, talking about the scribes and Pharisees. Jesus said this, For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders. Like, they make them up, right? They wrap them all up, bind them all up, and then they put them on the people. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. And don't we have the tendency to do the same thing? Like, this is what Christianity looks like to me. And if you don't do Christianity the way that I do Christianity, you're doing it wrong. So we're going we're gonna to make up this bundle of what we think being a Christ follower needs to look like, and we're going to impose that upon you. We have that tendency to, to, to want to feel like, like the walk that we're walking is just like what everybody else is walking, and the walk that they're walking is like our walk. And the idea is we want to be sure that everybody else is doing the same thing we're doing, but, but our relationship with Christ is just as unique to you as you are. And the way that Christ is having you walk may not be the same way that Christ is having me walk, but we like this is what Christianity needs to look like, and we base it on our backgrounds, right? Just like I said earlier, you know, I, I'm Lord's Supper. That's the terminology that I grew up with, and communion seemed very stodgy, like very high churchy. But I was familiar with Lord's Supper. Melissa and I, in my last year of college, we rented an apartment from this older couple. Um, I don't even remember their real name, but we called them Tim, Tim, and Diddy Deer. They were like, I know that's what they were called, okay? But they were like probably 75, 80 years old, and they went to a little Baptist church in Jacksonville, Florida. And I remember we met them one Sunday afternoon, and they were leaving kind of early. And we said, well, where are you going? They said, we're going to go fix Lloyd's supper. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm thinking Lloyd's a shut-in maybe. So he's going to go fix Lloyd's supper. So then that, that evening we got home from church, met them in the, met them in the driveway again. I said, well, how's Lloyd doing? They said, what are you talking about? Well, you went to go fix Lloyd's Supper. No, we went to go fix the Lloyd's Supper. They're very Southern people. It was a lot funnier than 9 o'clock. <laughs> so, or maybe my perception was that it was funnier. So you have this, this idea of what Christianity needs to look like based on your experiences in life and with church. But we all have a tendency, don't we? To add burdens on people that God never intended? And why can't we just be happy living the life in Christ and what that means for us and focusing on that? Why, do we, why, why can't we just be happy with that and realize that that's enough for us to chew right now? That's enough for us to mess with? That's enough for us to be worried about? Why do we feel like we have to comment on and have an opinion about somebody else's walk? 
Because too often what we're really doing is just trying to make ourselves feel better about the walk that we have by comparing ourselves to the walk that they have. But their load may not be your load. What they got to deal with may not be what you have to deal with. What God is working on them may not be even close to what he's trying to work on you about. And if we would spend half of the energy that we use trying to worry about what everybody else's walk looks like and focus that on our own walk, we would be a lot better Christians. Burdens then, when I say burdens, I mean the ones that we've created, then become the focus of what our relationship with Christ looks like, and then that's, what, that's how we hold other people accountable as well. But here's what happens to those burdens. Those burdens wear us down. They become what Christ was talking about burdensome, heavy to be born. They become difficult. And here's the truth. God does not want weary and spiritually exhausted children. But that's what we're creating. That doesn't look anything like rest or easy or light. But we have created an environment. And listen, we are experts at guilt. I saw recently somebody took a microphone and went on the streets of Birmingham, and they just started asking people about guilt. You know, overwhelmingly, the first thing that people associated with guilt was church. How sad is that? And that's not because Christ has done that. This passage shows us such a beautiful representation of what Christianity was meant to be. I'm going to say that again. This passage shows us such a beautiful representation of what Christianity was meant to be. But here's, what, here's, the, here's the flip side of that same coin. It's also a very condemning reminder of what many of us have turned Christianity into. So I think it's fair to say that many of us do not feel that his yoke is easy or that his burden is light. But now keep in mind, Christ did not say to the weary, come to me and I will remove all of your yokes and give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. So here's just two things today. That's, that's it. Easing your yoke and lightening your burdens. There's two steps to it, because it seems like that would be uncomplicated. But first of all, we give all we have to Jesus. Now, that's not much, all right? We give all that we have to Jesus. We give him our sin. We give him our failure. We give him our sorrow. We give her our shortcomings. We give him our struggles. We give him our inability to do anything to please God. We give him our helplessness. We give him our abilities. We just give everything we have to Christ. We just, can you, can you mentally do that? Can you like just give everything you have to Jesus? We no longer then have to carry the weight of our sin. So burdened down, we are weighted down 
Christ says, come to me. And you want to, but you still got to carry this. No, you got to give that up. You've got, you have to give up. You have to give all you have to Jesus. We no longer have to carry the weight of our sin. The Bible says that he has taken our sin as far as the east is from the west. He said in Isaiah, I have made it such that I don't even remember what your sins are. Those passages are in your notes up on the top. Look them up. They will, they will make you happy. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. We don't have to carry them around. He's already removed them. You understand? We're not perfect. We still err, but Christ took care of all of that already. We give all we have to Jesus. Now, here's the thing. This does not minimize the seriousness of sin. It maximizes the beauty of the cross and everything Christ has done for us. But here's the mistake people make. All right. Jesus has paid for all of my sin. I'm free. I can do whatever I want to. I'm not under the law anymore. I'm under grace. I don't have to follow any more rules. I can do whatever I want. Jesus is not saying you don't have to worry about the law. Jesus is not saying you don't have to worry about rules. In fact, he said, don't you think, don't don't ever think that I've come to destroy the law. He said, no, I've come to fulfill the law. He said, I'm taking this to a higher level. What he's saying is that without me, you can't do anything. But if you will allow me to work with you, we'll live a life that is exceptionally above the law. Without me, you just can't please God is what Jesus is saying. I believe this with all of my heart. Salvation is by grace. Through faith. That's almost exact wording of Scripture. There there is no other way because there is absolutely nothing that I can do to earn the favor or merit of God. It is 100% by grace through faith. But somehow we've turned this into me doing something to please God. Somehow we feel that we can please God by doing Christian things. God is not pleased with how well you can do Christian things. God is not impressed with your attendance or your giving or your service. Those are Christian things that we try to do. That's called legalism. Legalism is thinking that there is anything that I can do to earn God's pleasure or goodness or grace. And there's just nothing. It's all Jesus. That's it. Ian Thomas said this. He said, in defiance of God's word, God's mind, God's will, and God's judgment, men and women everywhere are prepared to dedicate to God what God condemns. The energy of the flesh. There is nothing quite so nauseating or pathetic as the flesh trying to be holy. So we spend our life spinning spiritual plates, prayer and Bible reading and church attendance and doing good and battling sin and giving. We're spinning all of these spiritual plates trying to keep them all going and we're just exhausting ourselves spiritually. And we're just never going to be able to keep up 
God's blessing is not based on our performances. It's based on what he's already done. We give up all we have to Jesus. The other side of the same coin, Jesus gives all he has to us. And folks, this is the happy part, right? I mean, this is, all right, Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. He says this again, I'm going to remind you. Take my yoke upon you. So we give up all we have to Jesus, then Jesus gives all he has to us. He says, take my yoke upon you. And I love this. He says, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest to your souls. So this is the agricultural picture that I want in your mind. This is a double yoke. I woke up last night, seriously, like around, I don't know what time it was. And we've already got everything all printed. I got the slides all made. Everything's ready for this morning. And I thought, did I misspell yoke? <laughs> Y-O-L-K or Y-O-K-E. And I, I webstered it. I was fine. But I was like, that's really going to ruin my whole evening if I, anyway. So this is, a, this is a yoke, right? And so you have this, this, this beautiful terminology. And here's what it looks like when they would put a new ox on a yoke. So the older ox here is used to the oak, and they, they, they know how to yoke, right? No yoking. The yoke's on you. That, that's what I really wanted to call this message was the yoke's on you. But some people just don't appreciate my humor. So, or it's just not funny. So you have, you have this stronger ox that knows how to use the, use the yoke, right? So he's going to plow. He's gonna, he, he knows what's going on. So he is, they're going to put an experienced oxen with the experienced oxen so that the inexperienced oxen will learn from the experienced oxen, how to pull the plow. And when Christ said, I want you to take my yoke on you and learn of me, it's because he's the experienced one. But now this is how most of us feel. <laughs> right? It's like, well, you know, I don't even know how that, I don't even know how to correct that. But it's like we're, we're just burdened down, and then all of a sudden, you know, whoop, here we go. And that's how, but that's not what Christ had in mind. But that is how, that's how we're trying to do Christian. That's how we're trying to follow Christ. It's like we're just trying to add all this crap on top of what Christ never intended. And it's like, it's not like it's bad stuff, but when you are using that to determine your relation with God, and then you measure everybody else by what you think everyone else is supposed to be doing, this is how you end up being useless. You're like not even touching the ground. I mean, you're this, I mean, nothing. Just hanging around. That's it. But the idea is to be yoked with Christ and to learn of him. And here's the beautiful thing. Jesus gives us his ability to please God. Woo! Jesus gives us his ability to please him, to please God. 
So, so here's the whole learning thing that was a real aha moment for me. When we join in the yoke and we learn from him, we begin to trust him with our lives and not ourselves. Then slowly and surely we begin to relax in the yoke and we learn to let Christ do in us what we've been trying to do on our own all along. See the picture, people. We are working with Christ. We are learning from him. When we are walking worthy and Christ is living in us and we abide with him and we are walking in the yoke with him, it's not about my way or his way. It's not about me trying to figure out what he wants. It is walking in the yoke with Christ and learning what it looks like to just follow his lead. This is huge. Now, now interesting. We're not saying sit back and do nothing and it's easy. No, we're saying you take his yoke upon you. This is not a passive relationship. This is, I'm taking on the yoke of Christ, and I'm going to learn of Christ. I'm going to learn how we are supposed to be living life. We're going to learn what it looks like to be obedient to Christ. We're going to take on his yoke. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. It's not my direction, it's his direction. It's not my strength, it's his strength. It's not my will, it's his will. So here's the thing. If you start getting weary spiritually and you are getting frustrated spiritually, it might just be because you're pulling against the yoke. Christ wants to go this way and you're pulling this way and you are just wearing yourself out because you're not following his lead. You're not learning from him. Our burden seems to get heavier and our Christian life seems to get tougher. And Christ says, why are you working so hard against me? Why do you think Christ offers rest when you are working so hard at it? Because here's the truth. When we take on the yoke of Christ, we're not adding to our burden. We're adding the burden bearer. He is the burden bearer. Philippians 2.13 says this, For it is God which works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You don't even have the capacity to please God. So why are you trying so hard to figure out how to make God happy? When you have Christ in you and you can just let him lead and allow God to will and do of his good pleasure. It's not in your notes. This is just kind of a so what, right? So, so what do we do with this, Eric? Can I just suggest this? Man, what area of your life seems to be wearing you out the most? What area of your life is your greatest struggle? What area of your life do you just never... I mean, it's, it, it is what wears you out spiritually. It is what exhausts you spiritually. Is it a relationship Is it a workplace? What is it that just wears you out spiritually? Here's my suggestion. Jesus, I think I'm pulling against you on this one. Just, I want you to take it. Just give it all to Jesus. I give that struggle. I give that 
I give that weariness. I just give it to you. Now, Christ, what I'm asking is that you would lead me in that area of my life. Like, I want to follow your lead in that area of my life. All right, so this is my area of struggle. I recognize it. I mean, it's what it is today anyway. It'll probably be something different next week. But today, this is my area of struggle, and I want to give that to you, and then I want to follow your lead in that area of my life. I want your will, not my will. Now, here's, here's the thing. That happens daily. That has to happen daily, like, like all the time. Because we're learning. We are learning what the yoke of Christ feels like, what, what, how he wants us to respond. And I believe this, the more that you're in the yoke and the more that you're responding and the more that you're learning what Christ is teaching, the easier that journey becomes. Because it becomes second nature then just to know what Christ would have done and to know how Christ wants you to handle it. But you're giving it to Christ. Not my will, but your will be done. I am just giving this to you, and I want to know how you want me to handle this struggle in my life, this thing that is wearing me out. Because he knows what to do. He's been in the yoke a long time, but it has to happen every day. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I don't even know how you're going to use this message, but I, it, it, has been a, it has been a game changer for me. And help us not to get intoxicated with our own self-importance. And help us to slip into the yoke and just want what you want in our relationships and in our lives. And live out that beautiful life that you have in mind for us. An easy yoke and a light burden. Thank you for loving us and wanting something better for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.